Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wasted Brain Cells podcast. Today, we're going to go over the NBA playoffs as well as give our NBA finals predictions. Me and Brad weren't really watching the NBA much this regular season, as we feel the regular season can be kind of boring, you know, with all the load management, a lot of stars take nights off. It wasn't as exciting the regular season. But the playoffs, that's been a completely different story. These playoffs, in my opinion, have been some of the most exciting playoffs in recent memory, and we've been watching a lot more, and we're happy to give you all our thoughts on each round, what we thought was interesting, what we thought was disappointing, and as well as give you a prediction for these NBA Finals. So, Brad, you want to start off with the first round and what you thought of that? Yeah, I'll, I'll be kind of honest. Um, I didn't really watch a ton of the first round, really, either. Uh, just, like, I really didn't watch much of, like, the regular season. Like, I kept up a little bit with, like, oh, who's good, you know, like, the Nets and stuff. But I'll be honest, this NBA uh, playoffs have been really crazy. Some teams you thought would win are out, and, you know, we're already down now just to the Suns and Bucks. Who would have thought that? Now, I know both teams have been really pretty good, but with some of the other teams on both sides, like in the East, you have, like, the Nets, you know, and the Sixers that were both above the Bucks, you know, and the Bucks were able to come up on top. And in the West, I mean, you had other great teams, just like the Nuggets and the Jazz, the Lakers, Clippers. I mean, it, it was really a toss-up. I could have seen anyone going the finals in the west but the first round was really crazy i mean there were some teams that choked like i can't believe the mavericks they had a 2-0 lead on the clippers and then they choked i i mean i just don't understand the mavericks you know they gotta get better um players to go around Doncic because i mean he was averaging like over 30 in the playoffs and they still were able to like lose after having a 2-0 lead also, the Lakers, who won the um, championship last year, were out early. They lost to the Suns in the first round, which for the Lakers, I mean, they had a really good first half of the uh, NBA regular season. The second half, due to injuries and stuff, they kind of collapsed as a team. And so, you know, then they're going up against a really good Suns team with Chris Paul, who are really kind of um, – like, just very competitive and ready to compete in these finals. So, you know, it's hard when you're going then against a really good team like the Suns, and so then the Lakers just collapse. But I really didn't think they were going to lose like that. LeBron loses for the first time in the first round. So that's what I found interesting in the first round. What about you, Logan? I'm going to bounce off what Brad said also because – the Mavericks, like you said, they were up 2-0, and I was completely shocked because I thought the Clippers were going to have, like, a revenge tour thing because you got talent on that team. You got Kawhi and Paul George, one of the best duos in the league. Both can play the – but they play both ends of the floor amazingly. So I thought, especially Paul George with how much slander he got last year, they're going to be on a mission to prove everybody wrong. They go down 2-0 to the Mavericks, and basically just Luka Doncic is just giving them problems. Whoever the Clippers would put on Luka Doncic, they couldn't stop him. Now, it's not Luka's fault they lost in the first round. I just feel like his teammates kind of let him down. And poor Zingas, I mean, it's hard to really criticize NBA players because neither one of us have any chance of doing anything against an NBA player. We, It's kind of hard to criticize them, but at the same time, if you're 7'3", you've got to be a little more physical down inside. You can't just stay on the perimeter because if you're 7'3", you should be able to get all the rebounds, some easy layups. I just don't feel like Porzingis used his size to his advantage, so I feel like he's going to get traded. And Mark Cuban, I feel like he's one of the best owners in the NBA, so he knows 
Doncic is a once-in-a-generation player. Doncic could be the next LeBron James, in my opinion, with his skill set and all-around play. You've got to put some superstars around Doncic or another good player to help take the load off him because in the today's NBA, they'll leave. Doncic could very well leave Dallas if he doesn't get any help, and you don't want to lose a once-in-a-generation talent because Doncic is a franchise player, a top-ten player, and he's probably going to win an MVP, and I think he could be the best player in the NBA one day. So you can't afford to not build around him successfully and lose him. So the Mavericks, in my opinion, have a situation where they're going to have to make some big trades this offseason. And then with the Lakers, I feel like LeBron's stint in L.A. has been weird because the first year no one really talks about where he goes there, they have a ton of injuries, you know, with Lonzo Ball, him, LeBron getting injured, Brandon Ingram gets injured. That was a weird Lakers team. They, they didn't even make the playoffs, and I feel like no one really talks about it. And then the next year you get the NBA bubble, one of the weirdest NBA scenarios I've ever seen. Lakers end up winning the championship because they trade for Anthony Davis, and everybody's fully healthy. You have good rotational players like Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, people like that. Like Good players were playing their roles. LeBron and AD are the stars. And then you get to this year. They lost a lot of players, the Lakers. They lost Dwight Howard. They lost Danny Green. They lost Rajon Rondo. Lost a lot of quality players, but they did get back Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. But I just say, I, I don't think the Lakers took the NBA regular season serious at all when it came back to bite them. The Suns' chemistry is amazing because they actually played during the regular season. The Lakers, they kind of treat it as just, eh, we'll do whatever. As long as we get in the playoffs, we're going to make some noise. And then, you know, I hate to see it, but AD once again gets hurt. It's pretty much been his whole career, very injury prone. And... At the same time, it's an excuse, but it's also not an excuse because Chris Paul was out a lot for the Suns during that series. So it pretty much just came down to LeBron James and Devin Booker, and I feel like LeBron James got outplayed by Devin Booker. That, that's how I saw it. I mean, LeBron wasn't terrible. He's doing his thing. I just don't feel like he's what he was. He's not, like, bad or anything, but he's just – I don't think he's probably the best player in the world anymore. I think his time of best player in the world is coming to an end. And it's not a knock on him. It's just these players are getting so much better. And also, I don't think the Lakers really have that great of a supporting cast. Because you look at Kuzma, he's just regressing. Dennis Schroeder had like zero points one game. That's horrible. Montrez Harrell's not really that. Montrez Harrell was disappointing. Just LeBron James needed some help in that in that uh, series when Anthony Davis went down. He got no help. So I feel like the Lakers, once again, have more moves. And it's kind of this way with every LeBron team. They have to make trades every offseason. But LeBron never has the same cast for a while. It's always different players, so the Lakers are going to have a mess. And also, the teams from the finals last year in 2020, Lakers and Heat, the Heat got swept in the first round. The Heat made an amazing finals run in 2020 in the bubble. But this year, they just got swept. and I, That looked like two different teams. So I figured if you're with the Heat, you got to – I don't know what you do because you can't really trade Jimmy Butler, even though he was kind of disappointing. But he's like your franchise player. Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson kind of disappointing. I feel like the Heat, the problem is they got a little too cocky, I feel like, after last year. Like, last year, nobody expected anything, so they put in all that work. And this year, I feel like they got kind of cocky, and it came back to bite them. So, Miami Heat, that's just weird. I feel like you're going to have to make a couple moves in the offseason as well because Tyler Hero, I don't feel like he's ever going to be much because he doesn't have the work ethic to me. They should have definitely traded him for James Harden. I don't know why they didn't. That was a mistake. And my last thing in the first round is that it's time for Portland to rebuild. Damian Lillard is one of the best scoring point guards of all time. He's amazing. C.J. McCollum's been one of the most underrated players in the NBA for years now. He's amazing. I don't know how he hasn't been an all-star yet. But they've yet to really build successfully around that backcourt. 
I mean, they got to the West Finals once, but they got either swept by the Warriors or they lost in five. They, they, they didn't do good. So I feel like it's time to just hang that up and rebuild because they're not winning with Dame. They're not winning with Dame and CJ. So you can argue what's the chances Portland gets another Dame, gets another CJ, but you got to rebuild and start fresh because it's not working. And we want to see Damian Lillard somewhere where he can actually win a championship because he's one of the most exciting and most realist players in the NBA. And he's one of my favorites. So I'd love to see him just go somewhere where he can have a chance to compete for a title, not just be stuck with an organization that hasn't been great to him. So that was my thoughts on the first round. Brad, you want to get us started on the second round? Sure. Um, you know, the second round is really where, like, these playoffs kind of got spiced up. You know, teams that are lower seeds winning and getting to um, the conference finals. You know, there was just a lot of teams that were kind of, you know, not the super highest one-two seeds really prevailing. Like, I mean, you have the top two seeds in the East, the Nets and the 76ers, who are both really, really good teams in the regular season, uh, both get knocked out. And then in the West, the Utah Jazz, the number one seed who had just a incredible regular season, um, gets knocked out after having a 2-0 series lead. And you have the Nuggets, who um, had this year's MVP, um, Jokic, um, get knocked out as well and I think they were more like I think a third three right yeah they were the three seed but they also didn't have Jamal Murray the entire playoffs yeah so I mean these are some big teams that got knocked out and I'll be honest I was really shocked I had the Nets at least getting to the finals it was a really interesting series went to a game seven against the Bucks, but uh just for the Nets you know they had injuries because James Harden and Kyrie Irving were both got injured, you know, in the series, so they missed games. And I, I'll be honest, again, I didn't watch much of the um, second round, but, I mean, I just think it's incredible how a lot of these teams got knocked out. I, I do kind of want to talk about the Jazz and the Nuggets. The Jazz and the Nuggets the past, like, three or four seasons, every time have had really good regular seasons, and they get, like, super high as, like, maybe, like, a 2-3 four seed, you know, somewhere in there. I mean, the Jazz even got to the number one seed. And then both these teams will choke neither the first round or second round of the playoffs and then just collapse. So, I mean, I, I wasn't super surprised, but I thought this would be one of the years where, especially for the Jazz maybe to prevail and get, um, you know, super deep in the playoffs, but it didn't happen. Um, I'll be honest, the 76ers, man, I tell you, they just – What's going on? Ben Simmons is literally, like, terrible. I mean, you look at um, his uh, second round against the Hawks. Ben Simmons, I mean, he can't make a free throw to save his life. You look, I mean, he was only, like, getting, like, eight, seven, like, weird number for points, like, very low. I'm just like, you were drafted, like, in the first round. Was he uh, number one? He was the number one overall pick in 2016, I believe. Yeah, I, I knew, like, you know, at LSU, you know, when he was there, he was all the talk, you know. He's always going, you know, kind of like Cade Cunningham is right now, you know, the one player that, you know, is looking to be, oh, the next All-Star, you know, hands down number one pick. And I'll be honest, like, when Ben Simmons was at LSU, I mean, he didn't really put up extremely super great numbers. And you, you could tell he wasn't really, like – into his shooting form yet, and you saw that in the first couple of years with the Sixers, but he was always a decently good player, you know, with Joel Embiid, 
But um, I, th I mean, just after this, I mean, he just maybe like you see how he does in the off season, getting prepared for next season. But I mean, honestly, after seeing that, I would trade Ben Simmons. <laughs> I mean, he was just a disaster. And so, I mean, that's just, you know, in the second round, what was kind of crazy, you know. You got um, the Bucks, who were number three, and the Hawks, that were number five, end up going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then um, for the um, West, you got the Suns, who were number two, um, going ag uh, against the Clippers, who were able to come back and beat Utah after being down 2-0. You know, you saw this kind of trend that the Clippers, after getting down 2-0, were able to come back and win. And so, wh what seed were uh, the Clippers? Weren't they like a four? Clippers were a four seed, I believe. I know, so this is bizarre. You got two and a four versus a three versus a five. That's just insane. So, I think that's really what was shocking about the second round. Just the top seeds just getting knocked out. There's one thing you said earlier that I really do like disagree with. I agree the Jazz choked because last year they blew a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets in the first round of the NBA playoffs, and then this year they blew a 2-0 lead to the Clippers, and they lost a lot of games late in the series when the Clippers didn't have Kawhi Leonard, so that looked really bad on them. And the 76ers, in my opinion, choke every year. Every year this team is stacked. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons are two of the best. They, I mean, they're not really – I don't know if we consider them young stars anymore. I think they are just stars. But we were always like, this team has such a bright future. Trust the process. The process was a failure. It didn't work. Tanking for all those players did not work. And I'll say this, though. Ben Simmons, I feel like it's somewhat his fault, but it's also somewhat the Sixers' fault. I don't think Ben Simmons is the hardest working player. I don't think he has that kind of special work ethic. You could even tell in college, like, he did not care. He was just, he didn't care about winning. He just like, I'm just going to pick number one. Whatever happens, happens. He didn't care about winning or anything. And then he gets to the NBA, and I feel like the Sixers don't really hold him accountable for his shooting. Because in the NBA, when you play point guard, you got to be able to at least have a decent three-point shot. I mean, we're not asking him to be Steph Curry. They're just asking him to have a decent three-point shot where if you're open, you can hit one. And he hasn't even attempted to, so I feel like the Sixers have to hold him accountable. Because in my opinion, I have this on Ben Simmons. He's a jump shot away from being one of the best players in the league. And here's what I'll say about that. It's because he can rebound. He's 6'10". He should be able to get rebounds. He's an underrated passer. He's an amazing passer. He plays great defense. He was in, I think he was in Defensive Player of the Year conversation. I don't know if he's nominated, but he's in that conversation. Very good defender. He just can't shoot. And he's now it's not even that he can't shoot. It's that he won't shoot. He won't even take layups. Like, he passed open a dunk in the Game 7 against the Hawks, and it was an easy dunk over Trey Young, and he passed it up. So he's clearly in his head. So I feel like the best thing for Ben Simmons to do is to get traded and actually listen to an organization and let him be coached just that way he can turn into a player and truly live up to his potential. But one thing I want to ask is, how did the Nuggets choke? Because the Nuggets last year overcame two 3-1 leads to get to the conference finals, beat the Jazz, beat the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George down 3-1. No one expected them to beat the Lakers with LeBron and AD. That's not really their fault. That's just amazing they got to the conference finals. But this year, I wouldn't say it was a choke. They beat the Blazers without Jamal Murray. They had to go against Lillard and McCollum. And then in the second round, you're just playing the Phoenix Suns without Jamal Murray. You're completely outmatched. I know they got swept. It's kind of bad. They could have got one game. But I don't feel like – I feel like this year they kind of get a pass without Jamal Murray. But I don't think they've really choked. I think they've just been doing successfully building a franchise around Jokic and Murray and just playing as a team. I don't think they've really choked at all. I think they're just – I think they're just rebuilding nice. Like – 
last year in the bubble was Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers. Nuggets came back 3-1 from the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. I think they were down like 20 points in one of like game six in a closeout game, and they they came back. They they truly exceeded their potential last year, and I feel like when this team's fully healthy, they got good coaching. Jokic is an amazing player. Jokic isn't the most flashy player or anything, but he just plays the game the right way. Jamal Murray's electric in the playoffs, good role players. I feel like the Nuggets are doing something special in Denver. They're building what could be a finals content. I could go to the finals, in my opinion, in recent years. But I want to also give a shout-out to the Clippers right quick. Overcame a 2-0 series deficit to the Mavericks. Down 2-0 against the number one seeded Utah Jazz. Then Kawhi gets hurt. You're like, oh, no, Paul George against Utah. We've seen this in OKC. This probably won't end well because he chokes. They win crucial games, come back 2-0 against Utah. No Kawhi Leonard in some of the last three or four games in that series. Amazing. And then you get to the conference finals against the Suns. No one's expecting you to win because Kawhi's not playing. They take him to game six, and honestly, if the Clippers had Kawhi Leonard, they'd be in the NBA Finals right now. So I feel like Ty Lue and Paul George deserve some credit because Paul George completely stepped up these playoffs, and Ty Lue proves what coaching can do because he, he's a good coach in my opinion. Everybody was like in Cleveland, oh, it was LeBron and Kyrie. Ty Lue didn't really do that much. Ty Lue's a good coach. I think what also proves is that Doc Rivers is kind of cursed. Doc Rivers has blown three 3-1 leads in his career. He hasn't really held Ben Simmons accountable. He blew it with the Sixers. He's blew it with the Clippers twice, in my opinion. He blew it with Lob City. He blew it with Kawhi and Paul George. And then he blew a 3-1 lead in Orlando when he had Tracy McGrady. So I feel like we're seeing now what coaching can do with Monty Williams, Tyron Lue, Mike Budenholzer, and Nate McMillan for the Atlanta Hawks. Coaching is now the big thing in the NBA. It's not just your star can do the thing and lead him and lead it. No, I feel like team play and coaching was very relevant in these playoffs. I feel like that's what was refreshing with everybody that we saw team playing, unselfishness, and good coaching, which is how, in my opinion, basketball should be played. Yeah, I just kind of want to get back to what I said. It, it was – I wasn't really talking about the Nuggets last year. Um and I, I'm, I was mainly referring to the Jazz. Like, you look, the last couple, probably three, four years, the Jazz are always decently highly seeded in the playoffs, and they just always either lose in the first and second round. Last two years for sure. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, and, like, with the Nuggets before the bubble season, I think they were – there was I think it was, like, 2019 season. They were ranked – they were pretty high, and then they just collapsed. I, I can't remember – it was first or second round, but it was 2019 playoffs too, I remember. That's what I was mainly referring to for the Nuggets as well. Okay, that's fair. I was just like, last two years, I couldn't really see them choking because, you know, that one year in the bubble, you exceed expectations, and then this year, no Jamal Murray, who's a beast in the playoffs. So I kind of see where you're coming from, but it's mostly the Jazz and the Sixers for me. Those are the two that always do good in the regular season and the postseason just completely collapse. All right, well, I say we get to these exciting conference finals. I mean, look, for the Hawks, like, I mean, when they got to these conference finals and you saw they're going up against the Bucks, who have two extremely good players in Giannis and um, Chris Middleton, you, you knew since especially they were the five, they're a very, very young team, and I don't think they have a super um, – I don't think they have enough depth yet, like – I mean, coming off the bench for him, you know, you got Lou Will, who is incredible um, sixth-man player, I, I, I think. And you got – their starting lineup is really pretty good. I mean, you got Trey Young, 
you know, up-and-coming superstar, along with John Collins down low and Clint Compella, who was, I could definitely tell this guy was getting good when you saw him with the Rockets and then getting traded to the Hawks. So he's really becoming a, a great star. I, that's why I really liked watching this Hawks team. They really know how to play big men. And also kind of with the Suns with DeAndre Ayton. But with the Hawks, man, I tell you, they could rebound. And I think uh, that's really what kind of kept them in it in some games. And even, you know, they won two games against the Bucks. You know, was their rebounding. They're, they're a really good rebounding team. So I just knew, you know, that the Bucks were probably not going. I mean, the, the Hawks were probably not going to beat the Bucks, But, like, just props to them for getting that far. You know, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I really knew what was going to eventually happen with the um, Bucks hawks but I really thought they had a chance when Giannis went down with his hurt knee, you know, because then Trey Young was out. I, I can't believe that game Trey Young was out. They actually ended up, you know, winning a game without him, so that, that was bizarre. I mean, they were killing the Bucks, but, you know, the Bucks were just too much. They got more depth, you know, I think they got... More better players, because, I mean, I can just list them. You got Giannis, you got uh, Chris Middleton, you got Drew Holiday, you got Brooke Lopez, you got Bobby Portis, even, so. Shout out P.J. Tucker as well. Oh, yeah, and P.J. Tucker, who was really a good role player when the Rockets were really good. And But I, I really do want to talk about the Clippers-Suns. Um, those games, almost all of them were really exciting. Like, you look at the very first two games, very close, and... Uh, especially game one, that was when Devin Booker shined, because unfortunately Devin Booker wasn't super great, I'd say, in the conference finals, except for game one. He popped off game one, even when he broke his nose, he still toughened it out and just played phenomenal. I mean, I watched that game, and I was just going crazy, because he kept on just making every mid-range shot. He just was straight water, and so... Um, that was really exciting game one, and game two was really exciting too. And I'll be honest, like, you know, there were some people saying, you know, with Kawhi, you know, the Clippers would have won, which I'll agree with that. I do think that, you know, and, but then, you know, there's still some people who are like, you know, well, the Clippers, you know, could have easily won game uh, one and two, which they could have. But I would say in game two, they really had some luck. I would say they were begging for fouls, and they were getting some. They're... And I swear, in this series, I don't know what's wrong with uh, some of the referees. They viewed every single foul to see if it was like a flagrant, it seemed like. It, it seemed like in the fir in this whole playoffs, it seemed like there would be eight fouls they reviewed to see if they were flagrants or not. And it's just the last two minutes is, come on, let them play, you know. Because some of these were easy to tell. Oh, that's a common foul. But there was one where it was easily a common foul. And then they called it a flagrant. And then there was a foul later that game. And easily tell as a flagrant they call it a common foul so the refereeing was just terrible but this was an exciting series to watch and then once the Suns got Chris Paul they really turned it on and unfortunately for the Clippers just not having Kawhi just really was kind of their downfall so very exciting conference finals and so I mean I I was just you know very surprised awesome to see Chris Paul get to his first finals me being a big weight guy I would really love to see him win a title, you know, because I'm going to be honest, Wake basketball right now, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit on this podcast, it's depressing. 
I mean, but I just love to see, hey, you know, we used to be really good. You know, we have Tim Duncan who won five championships. Now we got Chris Paul, you know, always been a really stud player, you know, climbing the assist um, leaders and, you know, him getting to a finals. Hope to see him win. But, uh, Logan, what were your thoughts on the conference finals? Once I saw the teams, everything kind of went how I thought. I mean, we all knew the Bucks were going to beat the Hawks. Hawks still put in a good fight. Th that's a successful season for the Hawks. If you're a Hawks fan, you can't really be mad or disappointed. Your team definitely exceeded expectations, and they got good coaching, good young team, and Trey Young looks like he can be the next great point guard in the NBA. The Clippers, you did great without Kawhi Leonard. You came back against Utah. You put up one great fight against the Suns, and I'll agree if they did have Kawhi, they'd be in the finals, but at this point it's kind of coulda, shoulda, woulda. You, you just got to look at it and say, hey, we found our coach. We have a new good player. We found a Terrence Mann. I think we can do this. Like you just, you just gotta look at it and say we got Kawhi, and also they didn't have Serge Ibaka, and I feel like that's also big. You're missing two starting players who were very good, especially in Toronto. They helped bring Toronto a championship. Kawhi and Serge Ibaka, and then you don't have two players who can play both ends with championship experience. That's huge. I feel like with healthy Clippers would have won, but you gotta look at it and say we have our coach. We have some good players. We play good as a team. Let's put everybody back, get a fully healthy team, and let's see how we can do next year because I feel like they could probably go to the finals next year. But like I said, everything went to plan, and it was an exciting conference finals, but nothing shocking really happened. So I say now we get into the actual NBA finals, preview the series, and give you our predictions. And just so you know, as we've already stated, we are rooting for the Suns. It's nothing against the Bucks. We wouldn't hate to see the Bucks win the championship. In fact, I'd be happy for Giannis. Giannis is a legend. He's a two-time MVP. He clearly does deserve a championship. We are fans of Chris Paul. Chris Paul is amazing. Chris Paul is one of the best point guards in NBA history. The point god himself. One of the best passers I've ever seen. One of the best team players I've ever seen. Everywhere CP3 goes, they win. He's won He got to the playoffs in New Orleans with Monty Williams. He gets to the playoffs with the Clippers. He gets the Rockets to the playoffs, and I will say this till the, till I die. At one year, was it 2018 when he got injured in the conference finals? Oh, yeah, that year was insane because the Rockets, I mean, they should have beat the Warriors. Yeah. In 2018, they were up 3-2 on the Warriors, and it was with KD. The Warriors, when they had everyone healthy, like Curry, KD, Clay, Draymond, they never lost a playoff series when those four were all healthy. Those four were all healthy. The Rockets went up 3-2 with James Harden, Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, Trevor Reza, all those guys. Now, I still will say this. If Chris Paul does not get injured in that in Game 5, the Rockets would have beaten the Warriors. I don't know if it would have been 6 or 7, but the Rockets would have been in the NBA Finals against the Cavaliers, and they would have an NBA championship. Oh, yeah. I mean, those last couple Cavalier teams that got to the um, Finals, they weren't – I mean, it's just because the East, you know – for the longest time, you know, the East was just – and, I mean, it still kind of, I think, is a little bit that way. I still think the West is pre uh, better than the East. But it was for a while, you know, the East was just terrible. I mean, all the great teams were on the West. And so, you know, the Cavaliers were just able to just, you know, basically just because of LeBron, able to just pow power through all these teams and get to the – finals but I mean just compared to some of these West teams you know because you had like the Rockets the Warriors um the Spurs like for the first couple years Cavaliers went to the finals 
you know, Spurs were great in the West as well. But, I mean, yeah, just going up against some of these really good West teams, you know, the Cavaliers, I think those last two years didn't really have a chance. So once again, I think in 2018, if the War- if the Rockets would have beaten that Warriors team, there's no way. Like I don't understand people who could say this. Like the Cavaliers would have won in 2018 if they played the Rockets. No, if Chris Paul and James Harden beat the Warriors with four All Stars, there's no way they lose to LeBron James and that Cavaliers team without Kyrie. There's no way they would have a ring. Also, like I said, Chris Paul then after Houston goes to OKC. He leads a team that wasn't supposed to be that good to the playoffs, and they almost. They almost won a first-round series against Russell Westbrook and James Harden, which would have been amazing just for Chris Paul to get that revenge. But then, like I said, OKC, his contract's big, Chris Paul, and he doesn't really feel what they're doing. They realize they need to rebuild, start from fresh. So Chris Paul goes to the Suns, who the Suns were amazing in the bubble, went undefeated, and they were like a game away from going to the playoffs. So this team had some real talent. Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikel Bridges, some good players. Like, good, good young core. So Chris Paul takes this team... We all thought, okay, it's a solid playoff team, maybe a 4-5 seed, but I don't think they'll go to the finals. Finished second in the West, and Chris Paul's leadership and Devin Booker's ability to just put the ball in the basket, to score, to shoot, and DeAndre Ayton, who in my opinion is one of the most underrated players in the NBA, more like a traditional big man, but he fits his role so nice, and he's so underrated. Just a great interior presence to have. They are now in the finals, and Chris Paul deserves this so much. I don't want to hear anything about injuries or anything like that. Real basketball fans are happy this man is in the NBA Finals with a chance to get his first ring. The NBA didn't let him go to the Lakers to play with Kobe, which is bullcrap, because we've seen way more super teams happen, especially Durant and the Warriors, so he got screwed by the NBA not letting him go to the Lakers. He's blown a 3-1 lead on the Clippers, got injured with the Rockets. He's had some bad luck, so we're just happy to see CP3 in the Finals. And I think this is going to be actually a... It depends, because, you know... There's, there could be no Giannis, and that's that's a real possibility. Either Giannis won't be there or Giannis won't be 100%. So it's a tricky series to predict because the Bucks can they play without Giannis? Can Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, Drew Holiday is also, in my opinion, one of the most underrated players in the league, can they step up enough on offense and defense? Can they, can they hold Booker and Chris Paul enough and put enough baskets in to do enough to maybe get the Bucks a couple games until Giannis comes back, buy some time? Because you don't want to force Giannis out there if you're down 2-0-3-0 because then you could damage him and you could really injure him some more. So it's a tricky situation because you'll never get a player as good as Giannis again if you're the Bucks, probably not. So it's like, do you force him back when he's not fully healthy because you know he's your franchise corner piece? Or do you say, this is the finals, we got to lay it all out there? So I feel like Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton have to do enough to where they can buy a couple games for Giannis so he can get a little bit healthier. And the Bucks have a good team, let's be honest, even without Giannis. You know, the backcourt's good. Bobby Portis was actually pretty good in the conference finals. Brooke Lopez is solid. P.J. Tucker, I think they're pretty good. But without Giannis, I don't really think they have a chance to win these finals. I think they can probably put up a good fight. But without Giannis, I think they lose in five games to the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns win this in five. Chris Paul's great leadership. You know Chris Paul wants this so bad. He's not going to mess up this opportunity. He's one of the smartest basketball players I've ever seen. Great passer, good team leader. He can shoot the mid-range like no other. He's very shifty. Chris Paul's leadership. Devin Booker's getting more time to heal. Devin Booker's one of the best scorers in the NBA. Great wings with Mikel Bridges, Jay Crowder, and a good big man, DeAndre Ayton, and a solid other player, Cameron Payne. And actually, Cam Johnson, when he's healthy, is a very good shooter. I think the Phoenix Suns have the advantage without Giannis. 
I mean, everyone's going to once again criticize it, but we want to see Chris Paul succeed, and we're, we're hoping the best for Giannis. We hope we can see him out there. He deserves to play in the finals, but without him at possibly not being healthy or not being there the series, I got to go to the Phoenix Suns in five games. I think Chris Paul wants this opportunity. Devin Booker is going to go off, in my opinion, and we're going to see DeAndre Ayton prove to us that he is a star and that he was worthy of that number one pick because I feel like DeAndre Ayton gets too much hate. Sure, Luka and Trey were in that same draft class, and they're better players, but DeAndre Ayton was not a bad pick. He's a really good player. He should be an all-star in years to come, and I feel like he's going to emerge in these finals. So I feel like the Suns, their chemistry is amazing. They all know their roles, good coaching. Without Giannis, I think it's just too much for the Bucks to handle. So I got the Phoenix Suns winning in five games. You know, so, I mean, as we've said, Giannis, it, it, he's questionable for game one. And honestly, especially since it's a knee injury, you don't want to mess with those. If you have a knee injury, you, you don't want to go out there and possibly, you know, have the chance of hurting it even more. You know, the good thing for Giannis is it's no structural damage, so that's good, you know, because, I mean, ACL, anything in your knee, you don't want um, to hurt or tear, you know, have damage. So, honestly, if I'm the Bucks, I mean, they wrapped it up pretty well against the Hawks in the last couple games in that series. I mean, sure, you know, the Hawks didn't have Trey Young, but, I mean, I just look at all the veterans – you know, that this Bucks team has, you know, I just think that, you know, some of the players they have, you know, they're just such a older team than the Suns, and, you know, I know the Suns, you know, do have some more veteran players with Jake Crowder and Chris Paul, you know, being kind of their leader, but, I mean, just some of the players on the Milwaukee Bucks, you know, you got, uh, I mean, um, Chris Middleton, you know, you, you got him who's really – I, I mean, you look in the Hawks series, he played, I mean, just as good as Giannis. You got Drew Holiday, you got Brooke Lopez, um, P.J. Tucker, and Jeff Teague all are really decently old veteran players who have playoff experience, you know. Um, I like to talk about Jeff Teague because he's also a weight guy, and I know he's not even, like, their starter or backup, but, I mean – he had a really good year with the Hawks, and the Hawks almost won. Or No, the Hawks were really good, and they kind of choked a little bit in the playoffs, but, like, they were a really good team one year, and they had, like, three or four All-Stars. Um, so I, I seriously wouldn't doubt this Bucks team, even if Giannis isn't there for game one or game two. So, I mean, I, I still don't think they'll have the firepower um, to beat the Suns because, I mean, I'll be honest, I was a – Bucks doubter the past couple of years, you know, when you saw him losing in the playoffs, you know, because I'm like, you know, you got Giannis, Chris Middleton, but you don't got a ton of other players, but they've made some trades, you know, they got Drew Holiday now, and, you know, they've had some other good studs, you know, right now with um, Brooke Lopez, you know, Bobby Portis helping them out too, but, I mean, just with the Suns, you got Chris Paul, his leadership, his ability to pass the ball, find people open, Devin Booker is one of the best rising stars right now. His ability to hit the three and just, I mean, have one of the wettest jump shots. DeAndre Ayton down low. I think, again, the Hawks, I really think, did a great job against the um, Bucks because I don't think the Bucks really have um, 
a ton of great, like, super, you know, they've got, like, that center, you know, who can grab every rebound. I know they got Brooke Lopez, but DeAndre Ayton, I think, just has more size, strength. He's more of a, you know, your traditional center. I mean, he gets, like, 20-some rebounds a game. And so he's going to be out, able to out-rebound Brooke Lopez. And so that's really a scary thing for the Bucks, especially since you're without Giannis, who, I mean, I know he's, like, more of a small forward. He can't even play point guard sometimes, which makes him such a crazy freak player, you know. But without him, that's a lot of size you're missing, too. So I just think the Suns team is going to be able to out-rebound the Bucks, And that's going to be one of the main reasons they win because DeAndre Ayton, who, I mean, he can also shoot. Just pass it down to him down low, he'll make the shot most of the time, you know, just because of his height. Um, so, yeah, the Suns, I mean, and they also have good role players. Jay Crowder. I want to talk about the Jay Crowder effect. I know we talked about Chris Paul and how he always leads a team to the playoffs, but can we talk about Jay Crowder for a minute? I mean, last year he was on the Heat. Guess what? They made it to the finals. Um, before that, he was on the Jazz, who were able to make the playoffs for a while. Another good role player. He's with the Cavs one year when they went to the finals. And then he's with the Celtics as they um, started to grow and develop with, um, you know, Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum. So anywhere he goes, the team makes the playoffs and they make it far. So I think with Jay Crowder, I think he's just, you know, your good luck charm, <laughs> really. And as Logan said, you got more really good kind of role players to help them with, like, um, Cam Johnson, um, Mikel Bridges, you know, so I really think the Bucks can't stop the Suns team. There's a lot more reasons I think the Suns will win. I think they're a better shooting team. They'll be able to out-rebound, so I got the Suns winning in six, but I think the Bucks will really keep it close a few games and maybe even give it a chance to go to game seven, but I have the Suns winning it. Is there anything else you want to say, Logan? I know I'm excited for the NBA Finals. Just, I really like these playoffs. Like, these are some of the best playoffs I have uh, seen in a long time, and it's just been really fun. Also, you know, we, we want to see Giannis. I'm going to be honest. We want to see Giannis. He's a great player. The only thing I'm worried, it kind of reminds me of the Warriors in 2019 where they're playing Toronto, and they go down 3-1, and basically they're like, do we play KD, or do we save him for our future, or do we play him now because we want to win the championship? And they play him, and he gets injured again. He has to miss a whole other year. He doesn't even play his first year in Brooklyn. I think the Walkies got one of those situations on their hands where, like, if they're down, do, like, do we force him back? Because he's their franchise player. Giannis is still pretty decently young. Like, he hasn't even hit his full, full prime yet. So he got an important franchise decision there. But nonetheless, we're excited, and we're really hoping that Chris Paul can bring home his championship because we want to see a North, Carolina, a North Carolinian succeed. So, Chris Paul, we're rooting for you. Also, last thing, a Tar Heel will be crowned a champion. Cam Johnson and Justin Jackson are in the finals. Cam Johnson on the Suns, Justin Jackson on the Bucks. Uh, same thing for um, yeah. the Wake. So, yeah, take that, all the other North Carolina teams. Yeah, take that, Duke. Yeah, take that, Duke. It is confirmed a Tar Heel and a Demon Deacon will be champions this year. So both schools will get a player with a ring. We're excited for that. Good luck to all the players. Good luck to all the Demon Deacons and the Tar Heels. Duke, I don't know where you are even are in the finals. You need to make the tournament. That's just had to throw a shot out there. And we hope you guys enjoy this episode. We hope you enjoy the NBA Finals. We hope it's a good one. And we thank you for listening and hope you guys have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Waste of Brain Cells podcast. If you enjoyed this show, 
we please encourage you to share it with a friend. If you didn't like the show, we get it. Me and Logan aren't that great of comedians. Just pretend you didn't listen to our podcast. Please follow us on our Instagram, which is Wasted Brain Cells Pod, for all updates about our podcast. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please DM us at our Instagram. That is the quickest way to get in contact with us. And remember, all episodes come out on Wednesday at 3. Thank you for listening.